bit of the bubbly. And if not, now, when? We don't care about race or gender or sex or religion. If you're an elite athlete, we want you. This is an official declaration of war. Change the world. We are going to change the whole universe. This is a family. This is a revolution. We can never stop. We For the 105th time, it's Friday morning, and you know what that means, it's time for the next chapter of the only professional wrestling podcast that is changing the world every week. This is Seeing the Elite, an AEW podcast. I am your host, Bryce Reed. I am joined by my friend, my co-host, my tag team partner, Mr. Jonathan Davis. What's up, dude? If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Jonathan and I are two friends, fans, and lovers of professional wrestling who are here every single Friday morning with all of the latest news. From All Elite Wrestling, thanks to our EVPs, Ale Avoth, Daniel Lopez, James Kenimer, Joseph Pesacow, Andrew Garrett, Jeremy Blackman, and Kevin Bartlett. And all our supporters on Patreon. 105 weeks. We've been here since day one. But this stone only keeps rolling thanks to the financial fuel that we receive from our patrons, for which we are most grateful. Just a few dollars a month gets you into the club and gets you access to hours of bonus content every single week. Subscribers get a ton of awesome perks within our community as well as bonus episodes, access to show notes, movie nights, commentaries, our new weekly podcast, Underground Revisited, and uh, exclusive extended versions of each week's STE. And of course, getting to watch us record the show live. All of the money that we make goes into making this show better for you. It will always be free. But if you love what we do and you want to help us do more, please head to patreon.com slash seeing the elite. Uh, Bloodsport went live this weekend. Uh, our commentary for Bloodsport 4, uh, which was uh, a fun night of sort of alternative look at wrestling. Um, we totally watched the wrong one. <laughs> oh yeah, this one this weekend's the better one. It's got Moxley on it for one. Sure, sure. Uh I can appreciate that. Uh also uh episode two of Podcast Underground Revisited, which was a solo episode with me. Never recorded an episode of any show solo before. It was kinda sick. Uh, <laughs> I kinda dug it. Uh as a as a one off, but uh I will have uh, guests in on that show uh, when people are available. It's just I was recording on Valentine's Day, and everybody that I know is cooler than me and had stuff to do. Uh, but I didn't. I was ready to talk about some Lucha Underground, and I had a blast over there. There's even a jazzy version uh, accompanied by a nice soft jazz piano in the background, uh, you know, if you're feeling that. Um, uh, I had a ton of fun on that show, and uh, I'm looking forward to this week where we talk about episode five and six. Um, 
pins are available at seeingtheelite.com slash bigcartel.com. Uh, <laughs> shirts are available at seeingtheelite.com as well if you want to get one of those. Those are uh, awesome ways to support the show and uh, get things in return. Um, but uh, as we always say, uh, take care of yourselves first. Uh, don't, uh, you know, send anything our way till uh, you know everybody's uh, taken care of. Daddy eats first, as we say on the show. Um, but not Chris Dickinson. <laughs> the, dir- the dirty daddy eats first. That's what we're saying. <laughs> no, because he, he loses a lot, apparently. <laughs> Jobber job to the stars. Uh, this is not a sports entertainment show. It's an entertaining sports show supported by fans like you from all over the world on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and podcast services everywhere. Subscribe, review, give us five stars, just like Meltzer. It makes us feel so sweet. Jonathan, how sweet? Too sweet, buddy. Facebook.com slash Seeing the Elite. Twitter at Seeing the Elite. But of course, the one and only place to be for STE is over at tinyurl.com slash seeing the elite gets your invite to our discord server talk to amazing pro wrestling fans from all over the world about anything you please uh we've got so many conversations going over there simultaneously uh it's like being in a room with a bunch of people except it probably won't kill you um it's awesome maybe <laughs> maybe not, not from covid we can guarantee yeah. it won't kill you from covid it want that put that uh, on the on the headline. Uh, S- STE uh, Discord server won't give you COVID. Might give you an aneurysm. <laughs> Our champion, of course, over there, Joe Naldino. Uh, TikTok. The time is approaching uh, that people will be able to challenge him for his title. Good luck. It's like what, like two weeks? Yeah, two weeks. <sighs> yeah, March seventh for Revolution, baby. They better not make that show five fucking hours on a Sunday. What I I mean, WWE does it so. Yeah, and I don't watch WWE pay per views. <laughs> That's not why you don't watch. If it was five hours and it was good, okay, sure. <laughs> but it's not. It's not. <laughs> We're gonna start as we always do here on the show with a quote. Quote. What happened is really what fans saw. He tweeted about me in August 2020 and didn't, I don't think, particularly know me. He just knew he had a show on TNT and we had seen each other at the upfronts and Dynamite was kicking ass. And I think he chose an in-house professional wrestler to pick on. And I didn't think much of it other than, you know, us wrestlers, we love to see the blue checks. We love when we see people talking about our world. Then, the next you know, QT Marshall calls me like half a year ago, so this was a while ago. He called me and said, hey, I just want to make you aware of something. And that's how he frames it. I know it's going to be something about the Nightmare Factory. He said, I just want to make you aware that... Shaq came in and started training. I said, well, send me a video. I've got to see it. He's done a good amount of training with QT, with a couple of bodies there that he can throw around and things of that nature. Right at that moment, I knew we were going into an area where this could really seriously happen. We really jumped on it the best way that we could. QT is really technically responsible for that. Uh, he and Tony Khan 
because he and Tony have a great relationship as well. It kind of willed itself into existence like so many other things in AEW, end quote. Uh, Cody Rhodes talking about the circumstances surrounding um, his uh, his uh, tussle with uh, uh, Shaquille O'Neal coming up. Pour one out, though, because um, Shaq's Krispy Kreme burned down this past week. Uh, yes, two weeks very sad. Very sad. Yeah. Uh, R.I.P. Shaq's Krispy. R.I.P. Any Krispy Kreme that burns down. It's a it's a travesty. He, he is rebuilding, but that was an Atlanta institution. Well, sure. He's probably he's probably got insurance on that shit. Oh though, God, right? yeah. I mean, he's fine. I mean, he I, probably burned it down himself. I'm not accusing anybody of anything. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna go there. I mean, I I it used to be <laughs> it was down the street from my old apartment, so it was quite a few times I'd walk down there, grab a dozen donuts, and walk back. Nice. Yeah, so, but yeah, sad. Chris, we we don't have a Krispy Kremes uh, here. I'm in Maine. I'm sorry. I think that I've had one before, but uh, it wasn't in this state because I don't think that we have them. No, you, I might be wrong. You guys are like covered with Duncan. Yeah, D- uh, D- uh, Duncan, Duncan City, dude. I mean, Duncan's on Duncan's yeah. down here, bro. Uh, but I mean. <laughs> Going into the Krispy Kreme when they have the hot sign on and getting a, a, a dozen donuts that's straight out of the, the fryer, goddamn magical. I bet it's amazing. I mean, I have had one before, and it was it was amazing. It was really, really good, but uh, we don't have them up here. Anyway, this it's not a quote about Krispy Kreme already. Uh, we could keep talking about it all night, but uh, I uh, it, it's really kind of interesting to hear about this. Uh, the biggest sort of revelation here is that Without even having a match, Shaq was like, hey, the night, this place is pretty close to... He lives in Atlanta, right? Yeah. He's like, no, no, pretty no. close to where... Shaq I, lives in uh, Florida. Oh. Well, okay. It's yeah. pretty close to his Krispy Kreme anywhere. And uh, he was just going over the Nightmare Family to to practice wrestling. Yeah, he was up here uh, checking on businesses, you know, on the business, you know, getting four dozen donuts because right. that's an... A, a normal serving size for him of being a giant sure. man that he is. He's enormous. Yeah. So, uh, I'll, but I'll I love that out. he's, he, I love that he was just popping into the, the nightmare factory to get throw people <laughs> around. Yeah. To, to, to take some lessons. I think that's amazing. And, and, uh, adds to, uh, my hope that the match will be pretty good for what it is. Um, this uh, this quote that was in an interview actually gives me more confidence than anything they've done on the show so far. Uh, so there's that. <laughs> Let's talk about being the elite number 243 entitled Dior. Um, the first scene is the Southern Color, uh, California crew just weighing their options uh, at Hartsfield, uh, apparently uh, after being deboarded uh, from their plane. This is a really fucked up story. <laughs> uh, apparently, their plane, their their plane had a pilot. They were all boarded, and then the, they called away the pilot to go on a, a apparently more important flight. I I, uh, I guess because so. Backstory: There's no direct flights from SoCal to Jacksonville. They have to stop in Atlanta for a layover and a connecting right. flight. We kn- we know this because they shoot stuff in the Atlanta airport constantly. Yeah, like all the time. So I can see how like a- another flight would be more important than the you know the one hour puddle jump from Atlanta to Jacksonville. But to have everyone on the plane already 
and then be like, yeah, um, we lost the pilot. That's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. That's weird. And so they were weighing their options. They're like, do we just stay over and then get a, pl- a flight in the morning, which would be fine. They were like, do we get in a car and drive? It's like five hours. Ish, um, yeah. And in the middle of the night they- like that, it's not a terrible drive. No, it's not. Uh, it it'd be fine, but they were. But then immediately after, they're like, "We're gonna board in like six minutes." We found a pilot, and they're all joking that they they must have called some dude at home who was like halfway through a bottle of Jack or some shit. He's like, "Yeah, I'll come in or whatever." I mean, the, you know? the plane flies itself. They just need a body in the seat. <laughs> uh, I don't condone drunk driving of any kind, let alone airplanes, but. Uh, I did, I did uh, think that their little story here was funny. Um, then uh, after that, uh, Matt and Sky do like a two-minute podcast uh, about sneakers. Uh, well, I mean, I, I understand their frustrations. <laughs> when you see some motherfucker that ha- has legitimately a $15,000 pair of tennis shoes on yeah, and they're nasty... Yeah, if you're super into tennis shoes, mo- uh, people like me, I wouldn't notice. I wouldn't notice uh, either, like, but you know, if if I did was, you know, aware- I'm not a big tennis shoe guy, but if I was aware of them and then I sure. see them and like dudes just like got mud stains all over them, I'd be a little upset too. Bro, I think that's even more of a status symbol. I don't give a shit not- about these shoes. <laughs> Even, yeah, it's instead of the 15,000 shoes and they show up and they're like fucking clean and like fucking pristine and like a fashion statement. He shows up in the $15,000 shoes and, he's, and they're fucking trash because he didn't give a shit. He'll buy another one tomorrow. He doesn't fucking care. You know, that's the that's the real shit. Fair they're enough. just mad that he's they're mad that he's flexing this hard with these shoes. That's I can completely agree with that. And that's totally fair. That he's he's bought a car that's uh, he's bought a like a car priced pair of shoes and he's just they're like beaters for him. Yeah, <laughs> it's not my Lambo that I drive with an automatic. Uh, <laughs> um, we then get the title screen and then thank God straight into a Matt Hardy montage. You know they're they're putting the good stuff up front. Um, what we're all waiting for. Uh, <laughs> I guess they lost or something on Impact. They lost at the pay-per-view, yes. Okay. Uh, good to know, I guess. It was uh, a tornado tag, and somebody Carl uh, Anderson tagged himself in, and they didn't notice because they're naive idiots. Uh, the end of the scene has these like woeful voicemails from each private party member to Matt Hardy. They're like, sorry... Or whatever. I didn't need that. It's like, uh, yeah, nobody cares. Now we catch up with Silver and Reynolds, who are finally on the hunt for Sting. Now that Silver's BTE time is a little less precious than it was before. <laughs> it occurs to them, perhaps embarrassingly late, uh, that the rafters are the, bless- the best place to look for Sting if they want to find him. So they head to the balcony. Silver makes a pitch for the Dark Order to Sting and Darby, except they're actually Luther and Serpentico. Um, and luckily, for the sake of this hunt, Reynolds knows like actually what Sting and Darby look like, which is going to make things a lot easier. Um, Does make the, you would think a little faster, but... <laughs> Uh, Luther doesn't miss an opportunity to remind the audience how fucking annoying he is. Um, and eventually just starts screaming at 
the top of his lungs at Silver and Reynolds. Silver tries to save the scene by being like, all right, Sting, do you want to join the Dark Order or not? Uh, and Reynolds has to pull him away from the situation. Um, I did like the, you know, Snake Man's there just, you know, nodding along because apparently yeah. he's mute, which that's okay. <laughs> Snakes don't talk, dude. What are you going to say? Fair enough. Uh, now we find Allie and Penelope playing Animal Crossing on their Switches backstage. They're wearing matching yet opposite house Harry Potter sweaters. One's wearing a Gryffindor, the other one's wearing a Slytherin sweater. Um, up walks Cutler, uh, who's being super weird. Uh, he talks to Allie and Penelope like they're nine-year-olds. Um, almost and- like Cutler's a piece of shit. Yeah, it's super. It super didn't come off well for him. It's worth noting. It made it. He seemed really condescending. <laughs> uh, he even remarks that it's adorable that they're playing games together. It's like they're both adults, dude. What are you doing? He but, was like, f- like in full on comic book guy from the Simpsons mode. <laughs> yeah, it was. And with the joke that followed it, the whole thing was just a setup for uh, him has- to then more nerd cred than they do i guess yeah to then leave and over his shoulder he's he said something to the effect of uh uh, uh silly mudbloods hufflepuff is the Ravenclaw. the real raven who gives a fuck uh <laughs> this is the point i'm making okay <laughs> Uh, it was a bit of a weird flex from him. Uh, definitely in character. It kind of seems like the type of thing that Brandon Cutler would do. But the whole thing left a really uh, uh, bad taste in my mouth. Uh, I think like they're trying to continue down this whole like thing where he and Allie have a rivalry because of the Among Us games that they have. But it's like, unless you're watching these Twitch streams, no context at all. Right. So right. no, this seems like something that was entirely done because they were both wearing Harry Potter sweaters, and so they came up with a bit really quickly without much thought put into it. I, probably. I mean, I, all I've noticed is from this segment as well as like the past month of Dynamite is that Penelope just doesn't have emotions or speak. I yes, I I would say she's a very reserved actress. <laughs> She doesn't really, she walks through it. Some people are like that uh, until you break the shell on them. Um, It's a hurdle that she's going to face as a performer, um, not being able to really display emotion big. Um, It feels like, though, it's like a full regression, though, because like some of her other stuff that she's done in the past hasn't had this issue. The camera can be troublesome. Uh, you know, it's it's somewhat easy when you're in a room with a crowd. That's true. Uh, yeah, it's different when there's a camera on you. It is. I mean, it is. Uh, I think she'll get over it, or she won't. Some people just just don't, and that's the type of performer that they end up being. Um, next, uh, Alex Abrahantes and his Dark Order friends face off against the rest of the Latin Americans in a hastily arranged kung fu battle. Um, it's just, which uh, it's like, hey, Cobra Kai is super popular right now. Let's make a Cobra Kai thing. Yeah, th- does Cobra Kai do the uh the Cobra Kai is all in English though, right? Yeah, I don't know why so, he was. Do- it was only him doing it. So the dubbing thing was weird, but uh, it also seems like they didn't really plan out what they were gonna do with anybody. No, 
Um, it was very strange though that everybody else was acting normal and he's the one doing the weird dubbing thing. And it's like, you either all have to do this or no one does yeah. it. <laughs> I did think that was weird, but he was definitely making an effort to do it. It's like, okay. It seemed like a Cobra Kai thing because they even called it something Kai or whatever. Yeah. But then I'm like, but that show's all in English, and they don't do the the bad dub thing. So that's kind of a weird reference to throw in here. Um, but any, so they have like a kung fu fight. The funniest part I thought was when the two girls fought each other, and they're like complimenting each other while they're fighting each other. But even that's like a pretty base joke. Um, no, the funny know, part uh, was when Alan Angels walks over. He's like, "Hey, I really don't want to to fight Sammy. He's really cool. Can I switch with you guys?" <laughs> um the the dark order wins the karate fight at first then they get a sort of uh spiritual call from vicky's cell phone um and then uh that reinvigorates them and ortiz has santana try quote that thing he's been practicing and quote which sounds really sexual and then uh, he d- he does this like roll over Ortiz into like a kick um, that uh, sends uh, Alex packing and and I guess the oh, it's the whole, is that the end of the story that we were promised I guess but it's the whole Karate Kid crane kick thing whatever they just did their own take on it sure sure uh, they celebrate with a salsa dance at the end. Um, if that's the end of this whole storyline, that's a weird payoff, but okay. Um, now we go to the clubhouse where the Dark Order are trying to figure out what Hangman sees in Matt Hardy that he doesn't see in them. Uh, they say it can't be the hair, of course, because Reynolds has long hair. It's not the money because Colt has money. Um, <laughs> you guys want to buy some t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> it can't be the suits because Uno wears a nice suit. Uh, somebody from the crowd yells, it's blue. Our colors are black and purple, Uno. Uh, and he's like, this isn't purple, uh, which I love. Uh, and everyone's like, you're colorblind. And he's like, oh yeah. He's like, I thought it was gray. Uh, which is great. (laughs) They come to the decision. It must be the grapes. Uh, and they're saying that Matt always has a bunch of grapes. Uh, with him that's when 10 holds up a sandwich bag full of yayo and is he's like i've always got the grapes um which is ridiculous so, uh, it's so silly <laughs> colt then suggests that maybe it's because they don't have 45 kids <laughs> um i mean he's not uh, wrong i mean they just had a kid, like their third, and she's already pregnant again. Yeah, yeah. I I, I liked the line here. Uh, Silver says that he's never even kissed a girl. Uh, <laughs> and then <laughs> Alex Reynolds says, uh, my wife and I are trying. Uh, and everyone screams at him, we'll try harder. Okay. Uh, <laughs> ridiculous um so alex uh, starts unbuttoning his pants ready to like pull it out uh and then they chastise five for not helping out with any of this 
They ask him what he's doing. He says, fucking answering emails. There's like 400,000 unanswered emails. Uh, and John Silver uh, types it, uh, uh, yeah, says out to him, uh, newsflash, it doesn't work. I've tried. Uh, referring to when all the emails got deleted. I guess they're putting that on Silver now. Um so uh, uh, we did get some reports this week that an email did go out uh, to everyone who'd signed up uh, accepting all members um, with the postscript. If this is Adam's email, please get back to me um, addressed from Alan Angels. So I love that this ties into this scene here. So it's so adorable that they're just like, please, please cut, get back to me. I, I <laughs> thought it was funny. It was a really good touch. Uh, that's when we have 10 yell shrimp dick <laughs> at Alan Angels. Uh, Alex uh, Reynolds uh, suggests he goes, hey, guys, maybe that's why Hangman's not with us, because we don't have big dicks. Um, and they all sort of uh, everyone considers this as as Anna stares off into the distance and they start talking about their collection of little tiny winkies as Anna speaks up. Uh, she says, I think we're better off without him. <laughs> and everyone goes without five. Jesus Christ, he's right there. <laughs> it's so adorable, though, that they're just like they shit on him all the time. And they're just like, yeah. you can't leave. Why are you so mean yeah. to him? He's our he's our guy. Yeah, their response is, why are you so mean to Five? He makes our dicks look cute. <laughs> uh, Uno says that he has a great idea. He goes, let's go eat some meat. And the boys run out of the room excitedly chanting, meat, 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 meat. Um, except for Anna and Five. Anna gets down. She closes Five's laptop. She tells him not to bother. She says it's not worth it. And she leaves, and then Five opens it back up as she exits. And like we said, we did get this email that went out to Dark Order signees um, this week, which is kind of cool. Uh, next, I guess that they're doing a dance audition for the Vicious Vixens, which is what they were teasing a few weeks ago. Okay, cool. It could have used some more, you know, explaining. Just, like, a uh, tiny bit. Yeah, I. so it did kind of except some parts of it didn't really make sense. So this is a ploy by Nyla and Vicky to see some hot boys get down on it, you know, which is fine. I get that. But then Vicky and Nyla, like, throw a bunch of money at the boys after them dancing, which is not not any audition I've ever been to. That's what you anyway. do at the strip club. <laughs> which would have made more sense. Uh, but, uh, they didn't want to get the location, I guess. I wouldn't go into a strip club right now. Anyway, I get that, but, um, it, w it was, it was strange. Like they set it up as an audition and then they're, they're throwing money at people and it kind of made sense. Cause they were like, oh, we have too much money taking in from donations last week. Right. So now they're like, oh, how are we going to spend the money? They spend it on watching some hot boys dance, but they set it up as an audition. So it's like, well, what the fuck is going on here? Well, very strange. Yeah. Yeah. The show uh, ends basically back at the airport with uh, Cutler asleep. Apparently, they lost him somewhere along the way, having fallen asleep uh, in somewhere the hotel. in the airport. Oh, in the hell, in the hotel. Yeah, he was still at the hotel, and he wouldn't wake the fuck up <laughs> uh, until he eventually answered the phone the way that a person who just woke up does. Uh, hello, oh, hello. Um, it's hilarious. Uh, Kazarian diagnoses Cutler with narcolepsy, which is very funny. Um, well, uh, we then 
Sammy decides that the hands the only way he's going to defend the title is on Sammy Guevara vlog. Uh, so they're going to have a handstand contest on Sammy Guevara vlog. Did I watch it? No. I did. Oh, yeah? Uh, it was my first time I watched his vlog. Mm-hmm. And I don't care for it. <laughs> Talk to me about your first experience with Sammy Guevara vlog. Well... We start this whole thing off, and like I don't know who most of these people are, but Sammy's sure. doing ice snow angels in the middle of Texas because he's like, I got, I heard I got a lot of heat on the internet, so he's pretending to be Cutler, and whatever, and he's like, he's got like in short sleeves doing snow angels, it's like whatever, <laughs> idiot, good, get pneumonia, um, so that part happened, and I was like, okay, whatever. And then he just starts unboxing shit from listeners yeah, or wa- viewers, whatever, and gets a bunch of bang energy drinks. I'm like, cool. I don't care. And then they get flip ahead to there in Florida, and he set the smoke alarm off in his hotel room, putting spray tan on, which is like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I I don't I don't understand how he did that because he never is that tan on the show at all. Apparently, he used a whole can of spray pan, spray tan too. Wow! Yeah, he must be a vampire. In must be life. apparent something. Um. So then that all happens, and I'm just I'm sitting here and I'm just watching because I'm waiting for the fucking the the champ the BTE championship because I it's the only reason I care. Right. Because you're a piece of shit for making me watch this. <laughs> and the video is like 35 minutes or whatever so we finally yeah. get to the handstand contest and um it's sammy uh fuego brandon and 10 in quotes because it's uh chris statlander in 10's mask and she wins because she used to be a gymnast so of course doing a handstand's easy right um, and then Sammy reneges on the whole deal because it's like, that's not 10. You weren't in the, this in the first place. I'm keeping the belt. Wow. And then Alan angels is trying to start a boy band and, um, fucking mullet guy. What's his name? Uh, Pillman, Brian Pillman. It was like, Hey man, I'll join your boy band. And, uh, Alan angels was real creeped out and left. And that's when I turned it off. Cause I just didn't care anymore. Yeah, so I started watching the <laughs> I started watching the Sammy Guevara vlogs again a few months ago and I mentioned it on the show. Uh because people had reached out to me and been like, You should cover the Sammy Guevara vlogs on STE. Uh I elected to not do that for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. First of all, a lot of the the bits are just like like a, like four or five minutes of like QT improv will be on the show or like them fucking around in the hotel room and not really doing a bit beyond that there's other little things i'm not super stoked on about it the fact that a a large portion of the show is him unboxing gifts that people sent to him is like this doesn't really seem like something i should cover beyond that is a really small thing but i hate the term vlog and every time i say it i want to punch myself in the face Uh, so uh i haven't covered it uh on the show uh I should have watched the show because it was a BTE title thing. I'm kind of glad I didn't now because I was kind of insulted by the fact that they were making me watch another show in order to get this thing that's supposed to be a BTE feature. And then I would have been extra insulted 
if I had watched it and it had been a fucking shitty smosh finish like that was. Um, beyond that, uh, I did think the funniest thing was Sammy Guevara commented on the BTE video and was like, oh, you know, the vlog coming out tomorrow. The first comment under it was, nobody watches your channel, dude. Uh, <laughs> and it wasn't me. <laughs> no, no, it was just so guy. And I laughed because it was incre- just an incredibly rude thing to say. But but you look at it and Sammy Guevara's vlog channel, and some people fucking love the Sammy Guevara vlogs. God bless you. Uh, keep doing uh, your stees, you know? But uh, if you look at Sammy, Sammy Guevara's channel has less subscribers than the episode of BTE in question had viewers. Like drastically. Yeah, by about 100,000. Also, also so. this is completely unrelated and this first world problems, but don't put your goddamn vlogs up at 1 p.m. <laughs> The I great mean, whatever. Part- it doesn't bother me when he puts them up because it's YouTube, right? Sure. Like, but, you know, the great thing about BTE is it comes out at 12 o'clock on a Monday afternoon. That means I know what I'm watching when I have lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Right there. You put it out at 1 o'clock. Okay, well, my lunch break's over, so fuck you. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, hopefully it worked for Sammy and he got more eyes on it, but... For me, it was like, oh, you're. I wanted to know what's happening with the BTE title. You're going to make me watch another show? No, fuck you. And if I had gone to watch it, I would have been kind of annoyed the whole time, which is not really the state you want people to be in when they're checking out your show. But for what it's worth, that's what they did. be interesting to see if it worked, especially after the very first title defense was a fucking jerk around. But, okay. Um, we got to uh, talk about... The first one, for yeah, Sammy, it is. yeah, it was, it was okay. First real one that they've done, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, <clears throat> the women's tournament, we got to talk about it. Uh, the the Japanese uh first round of the women's tournament. Um, it was one hour, nice tight hour on the show. Um, dropped on YouTube on Monday to die. Um, why it wasn't combined with AEW Dark, which was also just an hour when that shows usually two hours. I don't, I don't know. It feels like it maybe would have gotten more viewers that way instead of just pushed out on a Monday and being like, Hey, maybe watch this. I don't know. Whatever. I don't care. Um, it was filmed at the ice ribbon dojo. Uh, and the, uh, commentary on it was Excalibur doing it after the fact he did a great job. He's honestly a better commentator by himself than he is with two other people on the table. So, um, But they also released it on Tuesday with Japanese commentary. Uh, the video was hilarious. It was called, Watch It Again, But in Japanese This Time. Um, which is ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> uh, I, so my, my first thing when I, I flipped this over is um, that was a really small ring they were using. Yes, it was a smaller ring. The ones that AEW uses are 20 by 20. It's had to be like a 12 by 12. Yeah, it was smaller, but a lot of the competitors were smaller too. And sure, I, it's just, it looks uh, strange on first view. Like, wow, that's a really small it, ring. It looks strange, and if you're used to watching a lot of wrestling, you will notice it immediately. There's a, there's a, a Blu-ray that I have of MLW where they use a smaller ring. Uh, not MLW uh mla uh mucha lucha atlanta yeah they had the, sm- i remember they had a smaller ring where the ring is smaller and it's immediately obvious it's like okay i do think 
the size of their performers should be taken into consideration. Absolutely. A lot of a lot of those girls probably work better in a like I think I think the ring is too big for Riho in AEW. I think she struggles a lot. I think her 619 probably works great in a ring that is smaller and sized more for someone her size. I think the fact that she has to jump to get in between the top and middle rope in order to do that move fucks the whole thing up. Uh, well, which, yeah, okay, because, don't do it anymore, but, you know. Yeah, when you have to, like, do a full stop when you get to the ring, the ropes, right? to then do the move is like, well, you just lost all your momentum. It, the whole move is pointless now. But then whenever she hits the ropes, you'll notice she has to hit her tiptoes to yeah. hit the ropes. So I, I, if it's a consideration that they made where the ropes are actually lower, which it looked like might have been the case, and the ring size overall is smaller, then, yeah, do that if most of your performers are little tiny Japanese women. Of course, please. <laughs> um, but, you know. Uh, overall, and I mean, I, I said this on um, in Discord, but like watching the these eight Japanese women um, really just kind of highlighted that Rio is just not great. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that match because it's it's been divisive uh, for people. Um, but I did I enjoyed a lot of these matches. Yuka Sakazaki defeated uh, May Saruga in a match that uh, I really enjoyed. The same as all these. Emi Sakura and Veni had a war that. If I could make any complaint about it, it was maybe just a little too long on the back end. Um, there were just a little too many false finishes for uh, Emi Sakura versus some fucking lady we've never heard of. Um, yeah, I, I have a, a criticism, but I'll wait till the end. Uh, Ryo Mizunami defeated Maki Ito in the biggest missed opportunity of the tournament. I have absolutely no idea why with all of the groundswell behind Ito, they threw her out in the first round that seems moronic to me but i don't know the deals behind the scenes um i, I mean there's no problem if it, it's a person that they've had in aew before winning this side of the tournament sure. absolutely fine but when all of the women that won in the first fucking round right are the people who've wrestled in in aew before like after right. Ryu Mizunami won. I I turned it off because like okay, Aja Kong is winning. Yeah, so I will say that it was kind of a bummer that we were like, oh, new people, sick, and none of them won. Even the ones yeah. that like Maki Ito had more fucking momentum going into this thing than any of like people wanted to. Regardless of whatever deals they could or couldn't make, people wanted to see Maki Ito more than any of these women. Yeah, uh, even if people, she wasn't coming to the U.S. like. Making sure. it into the more eyes on her in the tournament, awesome. If people, uh, right, she, you could have at least pushed her to the second round. Uh, you know, I, I legitimately think if we took a poll right now with AEW fans who knew what the fuck this was, which is a very small selection of them, uh, if you said you can have Yuka Sakazaki, Emi Sakura, Ryo Mizunami, and Aja Kong in AEW, or you can have just Maki Ito. I think Maki Ito would win. Um, and so it's wild to me that they dropped her in the first round and went only in favor of people we've already seen who, with all due respect, put on some okay matches. Uh, uh, Yuka Sakazaki is maybe like the most beloved of all of them, but I'm pretty sure that's just theme song love because she's got the most obnoxious theme song in the world. 
Um, and I, I would argue that that's really just in our Discord server. Sure, sure. For, for limited sample size, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I was really surprised that after, you know, like, Ito seemed like the big announcement here. Like, that seemed like the big one. And just and ca- came out of, uh, you know, strong on Twitter and everyone was behind her. And then they, she's out already. Yeah. It's a bummer. It's a big bummer uh, and super deflating and, and just bizarre. I was like, whoa, really? Why? Why on earth is that the choice that you made? But uh, I've uh, had the similar reaction with other things that happened in the tournament, uh, as we'll talk about. Uh, AEW Dark was a brisk hour and six minutes this week, which was lovely, quite frankly. Um, although I know they only did it because of the women, women's tournament. Um, John Moxley defeated John Cruz in an awesome match. Uh, that Absolutely was really loved it. It was really just there so that they could talk about uh, the NJPW show on Dark and and try to hype that up a little bit. Talk. They actually talked about where you could watch it and shit on Dark, so that's pretty cool. It's pretty much uh, only on NJPW World, right? For Americans, yeah, probably. Yeah. Bear Country defeated Chaos Project, which is great. Bear Country getting a win. Um, I was not expecting that at all. I I really liked Dark a lot this week. Uh, Butcher and the Blade defeated Jake St. Patrick and Sage Scott. I don't I don't recall that match at all, except I remember it being pretty stiff. Um, Shauna defeated Renee Michelle in a pretty decent match for what it was. Alex Reynolds and John Silver defeated Eric James and VSK. Um, I uh. Thought that match was great. Uh, Reynolds and Silver have their thing down to like super tight, and uh, and every time that they get a tag team match, it's great. I wish that they uh, had more momentum in the division right now. Um, Jurassic Express defeated Baron Black and John Skyler. Uh, Ty Conti had a fucking banger match with Vert Vixen. Uh, Ty Conti's doing these uh, running uh, knees now, these like V-trigger knees that are so goddamn brutal. They're they're unbelievable. They're like the fucking nastiest knees I've ever seen anyone throw. And she throws like five or six of them in a match, which yeah, it's a straight, like it's a V-trigger rip, but she's so fucking good at it and it works for her. I'm so excited for Ty Conti. Once she she starts like moving like halfway through the ring, I just start cringing because it's like, Oh, it's going to be bad. It's just going to be bad. <laughs> it's really, really brutal. And kudos to Vert Vixen because uh, whatever part of that she had in that, they looked they looked unreal. Uh, whether she <laughs> was selling them really well or she was getting need in the fucking face. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it was it was wild. Uh, Eddie Kingston defeated Aaron Solo. Uh, Ricky Starks defeated Casey Navarro in an unbelievably quick match. And then he went to commentary. Uh, Brandon Cutler defeated Mysterioso. Kind of a cool debut for Mysterioso. I thought he did a good job. Agreed. Um, I thought it was really good. I, I I enjoyed that match. And yeah, it was a pretty um, formulaic match with Cutler, but it was a really good match. Yeah. Powerhouse Hobbs defeated Ryzen. And Nick Camarado defeated Fuego del Sol. Poor Fuego. Uh, Poor Fuego. Uh, Yes, it was legitimately just like, we'll have uh, Nick Camarado tool off on you until he's bored. 
basically, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, that's how it was. Uh, pretty good episode of Dark. It was digestible, and it had some great matches on it um, and some great step-out moments for some stars that I'm super excited about, specifically uh, Ty Conte, who gets MVP of the week on that show. That match was awesome. Let's go around the net before we go into Dynamite. Mox is on Renee's show this week doing a Valentine's Day relationship special. On the first episode, she put two out this week. Who else is on? Uh, Some WWE person. I didn't actually know who they were. Um, Oh, my phone's over there. Fuck. Pulling it up, pulling it up. Clicked on the right thing. Tyler, or her real name is Gabby Tuff. Uh... Also known as Tyler Rex. Okay. Her journey as a transgender woman, WWE superstar. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Uh, Vicky Guerrero is on Unrestricted this week, which I'm sure is an interesting show. Um, She's got a lot to talk about, and uh, I'm probably going to tune into that one. Uh, John Silver has a a new YouTube show where he remakes movie scenes with AEW people called the Silver Screen is what he's calling it. Um, You can find it on his new YouTube channel, which you can find by searching Meat Man uh, on YouTube. (laughs) That tracks. Uh, The first video was released this week. It's him and some other Dark Order guys remaking the scene from Anchorman, the I Love Lamp scene from Anchorman. Uh, it's a little weird because it's not, it's still like BTE production value level. Um, yeah, but that's fine for silver. (laughs) Sure. And they're straight, they're like remaking the scenes entirely, not like doing parodies of them. They're just like straight redoing the scenes. Um, and so it's clear that he's still kind of trying to figure out what he's going to do with it. Um, somebody was getting at him on Twitter. I was like, Hey, let's do the the drawing scene from titanic and he was like okay but which am i am i leo or <laughs> kate winslet and he's like your choice man <laughs> you'd make a better kate winslet obviously but <laughs> right <laughs> uh let's talk about aew dynamite uh because it's that time um the show started out immediately into a match with Matt Hardy and Hangman versus TH2, uh, which was Botchamania live on TNT. Dude, this was so bad. Uh, not only was the match, like, really stupid and pointless, uh, and I question whether, like, anybody's... Fe- it, the, uh, hit me up on Discord. Tell me if you're feeling Matt Hardy. If you're feeling Matt Hardy, hit me up and, and get in Discord and at me and say, I'm feeling Matt Hardy right now. Um, and don't just do it as a joke, either. I know you people. Uh, hit yeah. me up if you're serious, if you're feeling Matt Hardy. Let me know. There's the three of you that I know for a fact are going to do this tomorrow morning. <laughs> and I know you're full of shit. You're full of shit. <laughs> uh this match was very clearly to fill time and have a match so that they could do the business afterwards between Hangman and Hardy. Um, THG, TH2 were a complete fucking mess throughout the thing, having to re-communicate with each other. Jack Evans specifically, I'm not going to speculate what kind of state of mind he was in or whatever, but he was like a chicken with his head cut off. Uh, all, all, all I'm going to say is Jack Evans, he needs to get his shit together. 
it was why there were a couple of times where it was like, bro, what is going on? You need to take a fucking deep breath and figure out where you are right now. And maybe yeah, he, he was maybe he long. hit his head. Maybe he hit his head or something. I don't know what happened, but throughout the match. There were several moves that were that even Angelico was like, dude, what the fuck? Get over here. What are you doing? Um, yeah, I don't know what he was dealing with last night, but it didn't seem good. Um, uh, and Matt Hardy, of course, was Matt Hardy. He's rickety old molasses in the ring and super boring. Um, Hangman was the only dude who I think got over big on the night and had a great night in the ring. Uh, Hardy vanquished Angelico off of a twist of fate right after a double buckshot lariat from Hangman Adam Page, uh, and the match was over. There wasn't much to say about it. Like I said, it was a dark match so that they'd have an excuse to be out in the ring and beat uh TH2 very quickly. Um, after the match, Matt Hardy grabbed a mic. He congratulated and complimented Hangman. Uh, says he's excited for how much money he's going to make because of how much Hangman is going to make and because of his cut. Um, that's when Hangman grabs a mic and says that uh, he has some old friends who taught him to always carry an extra set of papers in his jacket. Matt thinks this is a joke. Uh, he's uh, 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 Hangman is like, I, I don't know how you good you read that contract. And Matt admits that he didn't read it at all, and he sent it straight to the legal team. That's when Hangman invites out a member of the legal team to give Matt another look at the document now in front of everyone. And out comes Jackson DeVille, which was super funny. Um, the implication that Jackson DeVille has a part-time job as a member of the legal team. Yeah, sure, uh, why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Why not? <laughs> With the con uh, he's got the contract in hand. He hands it to Hardy. Hardy as he's grabbing it says he uh, he's I'm fine if you added some bonuses, you know. Um before then we, he reads the contract. We go further, how fucking like just weirded out and just uh, scared would you be if you were in in court and you're like you're waiting for your lawyer and out comes this motherfucker. <laughs> in the full costume and everything and you're just like i'm i'm going to jail <laughs> <laughs> well he's, he's a sports contract attorney i can't imagine he goes to court all that often but i, I don't know i don't know um so matt reads the contract it's not a management contract it's a match contract which becomes immediately obvious because the camera catches the big revolution logo at the top of the page uh pretty blatantly at the beginning um for a match at revolution uh if hangman wins he gets a hundred percent of matt's money for the first quarter of 2021 why he made himself wrestle a match for it i do not know considering he was handed a contract that said 30% of his income for not wrestling a match. I don't know why, but apparently he also wanted to wrestle a match. I guess maybe that would guarantee Matt a wrestling match on Revolution, which would increase the pay, right? Yeah, and that makes sense. And then that's kind of why they had this match as well. Right. Um, the next part is the dumb part. Sure. Uh, where Matt... Uh, goads him into matching the bet on his side. So if Matt Hardy wins, he gets 100% of Hangman's uh, uh, money, uh, challenging the honor of the guy that he just tried to fuck over. Uh, and Hangman, like a fucking rube, agrees to it when he has no incentive. 
Yeah, but this is just keep continuing to go down the path of people aligned with the elite making jackass stipulations <laughs> on matches. We are three for three now. It's like a thing. It's like a whole thing. Oh, man, I can't wait till we get to talk about the end. Holy shit. Oh, um, yeah, four for four. Sorry. Um, <laughs> before we get into that, there's a significant problem on the part of AEW and their desperate need to announce every single match the week before because this match changed drastically before it actually aired. How do you mean? This was supposed to be that eight-man tag match. Oh, I can't keep track of anything anymore. Yeah, this was supposed to be Hangman and Hardy Party versus TH2 and Chaos Project, and then yesterday they just changed it. And it's like, if you're going to do this for whatever reason... I guess so they could have the Luther match later. Which served no purpose at all. Who who was... Orange Cassidy was supposed to fight someone. Was it always Luther? I don't remember Orange Cassidy being listed as wrestling last week. I mean, I can pull up the notes from last week to find out, but... Yeah, I'm doing that right now. It's just kind of one of those things, like... And it, maybe it's because somebody got pulled um, because of the blizzard. Entirely so, possible. So that was a big part of it for everybody, right? But... I don't... Uh, here we go. Here we go. Next week, FTR versus Matt and Mike Sadile. What's happened? Matt Hardy, uh, Hangman, and Private Party versus TH2 and Chaos Project. Yeah, Sting calls out Team Taz, Deep versus Riho, Young Bucks versus Santana and Ortiz. They maybe had something else planned. They then said, well, Luther's here. Let's use him against Orange Cassidy to fill some time. It does feel like a lot of things were shuffled around. And that's fine. But again, this is the problem. We talked about this last week. Like, You don't have to announce everything. Yes. Yes. Uh, the interesting thing we haven't talked about was uh, the impact thing, which should be mentioned uh, in passing here. Apparently, Sammy Guevara was scheduled to compete at impact, uh, was handed uh, the creative that uh, impact had for him and said, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Um, and so we're not, he didn't end up at impact any further on that, by the way, N not speculating any further. What happened, why it happened, just saying the rumors that have been out. That's why it's not in the notes is because there's not much of a discussion to be had here with the details that we have. All we know is that, supposedly according to a number of sources he went to impact he didn't like what they were asking him to do he told jericho and tk and jericho and tk worked it out so they didn't have to do it um, and from what we said there's no heart feelings on any side of the partnership everything is still you know good to go According to reports, so though other reports have said other things, which is why we don't really have a big story about it, is because it's all speculative at this point, um, and and nobody involved has made specific statements uh, regarding it. The only other thing that I heard is that apparently whatever they were expecting Sammy to do, they ended up giving to Black Taurus to do instead. So. Right, and everybody is has been saying like, oh, well, it's that decay stuff. It's like, no. It hasn't been shown what's going to happen because that was from the last set of tapings. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so uh, 
Matt gets the contract. He reads it. It's a match at Revolution. Hangman agrees to put up his side. They end up making it a money match at Revolution by their own words. They shake on it. Then uh, Jackson DeVille attacks Hangman from behind. He removes his head. It's Isaiah Cassidy. Matt then offers TH2 $3,700 to help beat up Hangman, uh, which at this point in the uh, thing, I was like, make it stop. I hate this. Please stop. Um, and then out comes Johnny Hungy and the boys. And I was like, I love this. This is amazing. I mean, I take $3,700. But um, sure. yeah, the, the best part is just out, out comes yeah, John Silver, and then Negative One runs out and is just directing traffic as the true yeah, leader of the Dark Order. I love that. Ne- uh, uh, Negative One has a mask that's a lot like Ten's mask, but has its own sort of embellishments it, in that it, sort of uh, Frieza colors that they're using for those guys. And, and fits him a lot better, which you know yeah. we talked about before. If, if you're going to keep Negative One in a mask, he needs one that fits. Yeah, get him a mask <laughs> that fits. Uh, super cool to see that. Um, Alan Angels uh, attacking Matt Hardy uh, while the rest of them like sort of hold off the other attackers was really cool. Um, and then Matt narrowly ducks a, a, a buckshot lariat with some stank on it. Um, that would have hurt if it had hit him, man. Uh, he got fucking and, air. <laughs> yeah, and then he he uh, retreats and uh, Hangman. Uh, turns uh, to thank the Dark Order with a smile as they sort of nod and exit. Um, You know, it got really cool at the end, uh, and I'm excited for the match. I'm not sure how much the stipulation is going to save Hangman versus Matt Hardy for me, um, but uh, I think uh, it's, it's kind of a cool stipulation, even if I think the way that it came about doesn't really make sense on paper. It's fine. I I mean, Hangman will make the match pretty good, so I have sure. some amount of hope through that. But Revolution, it's shaping up. It's really shaping up. We're going to talk about it. Marvez finds the inner circle backstage. Ortiz <laughs> notes that they are getting a title shot for the first time in their AEW run. Uh, the smoking gun that should make them question their involvement in the inner circle right there. Absolutely, because um, I think Jericho's had two or three tag team title shots. <laughs> uh, which is groundwork, right? Like, we have to admit now that there was an intentionality behind the fact that Jericho is clearly the only one who's benefiting from the inner circle. I mean, sure, but also... But it's still disappointing that it's gone this long, if that was going to be the case. Yeah, and you you shit on one of the fucking best tag teams in the division to do it. Yeah, more just like you held one of the best tag teams in the division in stasis for, like, more than a year. I don't know if shit on, like, they were involved, they were on TV and stuff, but, like, they weren't really being used. Um, I, stasis is a good way to put it. I mean, and there's parts of it where they were just they were completely out because they lived in New York. They could not travel, and I sure. totally understand that. But there were also a lot of of that time where they were just hanging out, <laughs> nothing to do. Ortiz, instead of blaming Jericho, says that it's because the entire division and the people in the back are afraid of them. Max then takes over and cuts this short promo on Sammy asking why he would record Sammy on his phone when there's a broadcast camera shooting him out all over the world directly in his face. 
which is uh, something that people have brought up on Discord, too. So I love that it's kind of brought up here. Um, uh, and then uh, he demands an apology from Sammy Guevara. That's when Jericho forcefully asks MJF to shut up. Uh, and, and I love that he's here like everyone was watching Dynamite last week, dude. And he he seems to be well aware of this antagonistic relationship between Max and Sammy that we all thought he was turning a blind eye to. Um, he congratulates MJF on getting what he wanted, uh, but he places most of the blame on Sammy. And MJF is like, you're damn right. And, and Jericho is like, shut up. Like, he's just, he's done with him. And Jericho, uh, apparently, he states here, was hoping that this rivalry between the two of them was just a rivalry and it would push both of them to try to outdo one another. Um, and instead, Sammy quit. And so his response is he looks into the camera and he says, Sammy Guevara, you're dead to me. And then turns to the rest of the inner circle and says, I never want to hear that asshole's name again. Um, which is uh, pretty, pretty wild um, that that's uh, his feelings on it. Um, we get a recap of the Japan matches here, um, which, uh, why, why did I watch them? <laughs> I mean, they were good for what they were, but like there was, a, there was so much stuff on this show where I was like, you could have just taken the best out of those and like shown it on the show. It would have been cool, but. And I mean, they yeah. kind they kind of did. Sure. But just sure. very, you know, slimmed down. Right. Uh, we got the announcement that Baker versus Jay and Nyla versus Conte will be pushed out to die on Monday on the next installment of the show, along with the Japanese semifinals. It's weird that this tournament is so, like, incongruous with how it's, like, the Japanese side is already to the semifinals, but then the women's side The U.S. side, you mean? So, right, sorry. The U.S. side is, like, just going to be finishing the first round. It's an yeah. indication of how incredibly well planned out this whole thing is. Yeah, because uh, they, they did confirm that this is for a title shot at Revolution, so that, it's, that they really painted themselves into a corner with their it's own. It's tight. It's super tight. Oh, well, it's super tight, but it's like you painted yourselves into a corner with how how you continue to treat the women's division, that you can only have one match per week. Right. On Dynamite. Right. And then you realize, like, oh, fuck. We have to finish out this whole goddamn tournament in two weeks. Uh Oh, YouTube. We can do YouTube. We'll put it on YouTube. I think, yes, I agree with you. If they wanted to put the Japan side on YouTube or whatever, uh, okay, I get it. It's a bad idea. You could have put it on Dark, whatever. The wi the women's side of the the women's uh, what I will say is the women's side of the tournament is a hundred. Yes, I keep saying that. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, what I'm saying is any of these matches, um, being uh, uh Baker versus Jay or Nyla versus Conti, both of those are easily more important and have more stakes than fucking Orange Cassidy coming out and squashing Luther or than Matt Hardy. And uh, fucking Hangman versus TH2, which happened for no reason, uh, or then a bunch of these matches. And they could have, if they'd done a Dynamite episode that had four women's matches on it, because they were all part of this tournament. No one would I think have everyone, been upset at all. Right. Everyone would have been like, yeah, that makes sense. They're doing this tournament, and they're trying to get through it quickly. So they're doing, you know, 
If you did a whole night that was a tournament, okay, it's the tournament. That's what we're doing tonight. Uh, to to me, it's just I'm I'm very confused because like we know for a fact they they did the Japanese side of it probably within a day, right? And you could have just thrown that up two weeks ago, and set and just spread it out. But then now you're crunched for it, and now you know you can't have more than one women's match on on Dynamite. So that's just that's the one. And that's can't have more than two. There have been nights where they've done two, but usually it's one. And that's that's a serious problem because you made this whole tournament out to be such a big deal, yeah. but now you've painted, like I said, you painted yourself into a corner because like, oh, women matches aren't important. Fuck, what are we gonna do? We have to rush through this. Yeah, yeah. Serena Deeb versus Riho was the next match that happened. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, some people loved it. Some people hated it. I'm somewhere in the middle on it. My issues with Riho haven't magically gotten better. Uh, I'm still not really sure what they think they have with her. Um, I think literally every other girl on Monday night seemed to have a stronger match bell to bell than she did. Um, I think her coming back and immediately beating Deeb is a bit of an eye roll, personally. Um, especially since she won with another fucking, basically, roll-up chain wrestling pin. Uh, because she still doesn't have a finish. Um, but, I think the match was pretty good for what it was. With the exception of some moves that look like shit, like her 619. I, I just, it's the same problem I had with her when she was, before the pandemic started. And yeah. that she can never win a match without some literal bullshit finish. <laughs> like, she is getting completely stomped right. for 15 minutes, and then she just schoolboy rolls somebody up and wins the match. Like, uh, come on, yeah. guys. It was a little back and forth towards the end. They were doing some chain wrestling stuff. She did get that foot stomp in, and the foot stomp looked brutal. It would look even more brutal if she wasn't 90 pounds on her best day. But uh, she's... Uh, she, it was a better match than I was expecting from her. Deeb, of course, is significantly responsible for that. I know some people really fucking dug this match. That's great. I was, again, somewhere in the middle on it. I thought it was a good match, um, from her, even if it continued to broadcast some of my sort of bigger issues with Riho as a performer. And it, and it didn't change my mind on me being like, I don't really understand what you guys think you have with Riho that you don't already have with like other performers. But I, I don't know. And like, like, like I said, when we were talking about the women's tournament, this really just showed to me that, that of the Joshi women that they have contracted, she is by far the worst. Yeah. If I were to make a tiered list right now of the Joshi, Joshi women that they're working with, I, I don't, I wouldn't understand why, anyone would put her over Sheeta or any of the other ones for that matter. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've said, seen like 10 Joshi women now. Yeah. She's number 10 for me. Yeah. Uh, we then got, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to move on uh, too quickly. They did give the match a lot of time, which is cool because, Looking at the card, there was plenty of fucking space for it, quite frankly. Um, and praise be uh, to Deep, uh, who uh, did an excellent job throughout the match. Uh, and again, the double stomp was really cool. Um, 
But uh, we then got like a Nike commercial for Shaq and Jade uh, is what everybody thought. I'm not sure why Cody thinks that this kind of thing does anything for either of them, but he seems to think that it does. We get to see them running and playing basketball and sitting around and I don't fucking care. Right, right. They're 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 doing everything except fucking wrestling on the camera. Um, with the production values that are there, the production values show up. I just think the idea is terrible. Um, like for the love of God, I'm like, bring Jade out on dark and have her squash some chicks. That would be more effective for me than making me watch her play fucking basketball, a completely different sport. Is that how is that supposed to? How does that that like, doesn't convey it, anything? What kind of confidence is that supposed to instill in me that she can fucking wrestle, which is what we're here for? Um, it, it it was just like um, someone said in Discord, and it's like I really hope that when they actually have this match, that she just comes out here and really impresses. And the yeah. only thing I could say to that is like I really wouldn't get your hopes up because they've shown me nothing that she can actually wrestle, and that is massively disappointing it's a missed opportunity they have their they have a literal show that does this (laughs) well sure and and just the idea that i would sit here and be like well i saw her shoot a fucking basketball and wear a bikini and walk towards the camera in slow motion you know and i've seen her lift some weight so obviously red velvet has her work cut out for her like that's dumb that's a dumb idea but it's so it's so like it's funny it's really stupid but i know where it comes from because i've seen it done a million times it's the it's a it's a vince thing yeah vince does that and and i can see cody's fingerprints all over it because nobody else on the show does shit like this except stuff that involves cody and it's very vince he's still got he's still seemingly it's, and I don't know the guy. I haven't worked with the guy, but he still seemingly seems to think a lot of the things that Vince thinks works that I think the majority of viewers are like, this is dumb. He still seems to see the wisdom in. And so we get stuff like this that's like, I, who cares? Well, it's it's just one of those things that he, he, he knows what he was taught. And I understand right. that. That's, that's a tur- totally valid thing. But it's this show... <laughs> It's so so pointless, and it's kind of just one of those things. Like, I really wish I could just go and I could sit down with Cody for ten minutes and just be like, "Buddy, I know you think this works, and I, I know coming right. from me, this means nothing." Right. But I've been watching wrestling my whole life. You and I are about the same age. The shit you've done with Jade Cargill, fucking dumb. From a yeah, from a viewer perspective, I don't care if she can lift a weight or shoot a basketball. I care if she can wrestle. Yeah, you, you've shown me nothing that she can do anything in the ring to that shows that. Right. You have a a show called Dark, which is supposed to be dark matches, which is where you need to be featuring her to show that she can wrestle. If you're like literally afraid of showing that she can't wrestle. You should not have put her with Shaq. You should have put her with... Or you shouldn't have her wrestling. If you're afraid she can't wrestle, don't have her wrestle. But that's beside the point. If you're going to shoot a slow motion fucking hype video, don't show me her shooting hoops. What the fuck do I care if she can shoot hoops? Take her to a ring 
and have her jump on shit or punch shit or whatever. Make me be like, oh, fuck, that's going to hurt when she does that to Red Velvet. Something. At the very least, if that's what you're going to do. But and if, if they're so afraid of her wrestling some dark matches and exposing herself like she did with the three promos she's done, which were terrible, right. then... Right. Number one, she shouldn't be wrestling. Number two, she sure as hell shouldn't be wrestling with Shaq, someone who also hasn't barely, who's barely wrestled. Right. You need to pair her, like, do what WWE was doing when you you were wrestling with Stephen Amell. They paired him, a new person who hasn't barely wrestled before, with you. Yes. To cover him. Yeah, the the whole thing's a mess, but I, I guess my point would be if you're going to continue to do these, like, look, this person's good at working out things, like, at least have them be combat sport workouts. Like, have her hit a heavy bag if that's what you're going to do. Like, then I, at least I could be like, I can see how that applies instead of, like, what, she's going to she's gonna turn Red Velvet into a ball and throw her into a net? Like, how does that make sense? She's going to, like, what, power lift her? Right, completely not terribly analogous skills other than yes she's athletic but i know that i've fucking seen jade cargill so yeah it's it's a whole fucking thing where it's like what is going on here uh then we got orange cassidy versus luther for no no reason this was not they have a match he beats he beats luther Snake Man took a fucking brutal awful awful from Chuck Taylor which was the which highlight. Was goddamn amazing. The beginning, but the match was like 2 minutes long. I don't know. So... I, I saw Snake Man get destroyed and then I got up and made a snack and then by the time I got back it was over. <laughs> yeah. So Orange beats Luther. I don't remember them having a reason to fight at all. He beats Luther with the orange punch. There's no business after the match with Kip and Miro or whatever, which and so if they just had a, a dark match <laughs> on Dynamite, a very short one for no reason. And then we got a a, a, a sort of Darby Allen Joey Janela recap here. Um, Taz, Cage, and Hook then, uh, you know, enter the ring. Uh, but Sting isn't already out there, which is weird. Usually they wait for Sting to come out first. Um, it's bizarre uh, that... Uh, the choices they've made. Uh, he he's uh, here to uh, beat Sting to the punch on the calling out that was scheduled for tonight from Sting. Um, uh, uh, Hobbs and and Cage are uh, uh, or Hobbs and Ricky are I guess stuck at home due to the weather. Um, it's worth noting uh, were some of those who were stuck at home. Um, uh, which by the way, because I thought Hobbs lived in California. Uh, for whatever reason, was delayed and not able to get there, right? Yeah, fair enough. Um, due to the snow. Uh, shout out to our, our uh, people in Texas who are uh, dealing with the situation there right now. Um, Taz calls out Sting. Uh, Sting comes out. Uh, Taz calls Sting a pussy for always having a bat. Uh, he says that he's uh, a, a has-been who would have been and never was if not for the bat. Basically. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Sting... <laughs> Drops the bat, uh, he drops his jacket, and attacks Brian Cage. Uh, Brian Cage then fucks up Sting's whole life with one powerbomb, uh, uh, <laughs> and Team Taz leaves. You can say that, but at least that was the literal safest powerbomb I've ever seen. Sure, sure. 
and I can, sure. I really commend Cage on that because that was so beautiful. Uh, not Seth Rollins who fucks up buckle bombs. Well, <laughs> so I, I'm not going to come out here and defend Seth Rollins because every interpersonal interaction I've seen from him, he seems like kind of a dirtbag. But, uh, you know, I don't think anybody wants to be the guy who hurts Sting, you know? Sure, but it's it was awesome. My, my point is, like, when you're wrestling someone, and at the time who was, like, 55-ish, Right. Maybe let's not do a buckle bomb. <laughs> I don't know. I would agree that a buckle bomb seems pretty safe to me personally, but like of all the wrestling moves, I'd rather take a buckle bomb than like a power bomb uh personally. Sure. But, but and it's the person doing it, you know, where Cage right. easily can just, you know, Sting's weight is he's a child to to Cage. <laughs> <laughs> um but it, it was uh, good. You're right. Good on Brian Cage. It it did look super safe, but uh, it was one power bomb and Sting was on the ground. So he's 61 years old. Sure. <laughs> the my point being, he seems outmatched in this match at Revolution. Um, and it seems like he it's going to be an uphill battle for him. But it's no disqualification, right? It's um, cinematic. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's what makes this whole thing work because they can do whatever they need to. Sting said in uh I think in an unrestricted episode he will only be doing uh cinematic matches. Good to know. Uh then uh Eddie Kingston uh comes hard with a promo trying to justify this main event that seems a little like an acid flashback. Um and bit, he gets yeah. there, I think, mostly. Um he says that he requested this match. Why? Because he hates all these dudes, uh, Mox especially. Uh, he says, I can't, I, he finishes by saying, I can't get rid of you with drinking, with pills, with women. I got to get rid of you by beating you, old friend. Um, and, you know, it's Eddie Kingston doing his best uh, to justify this weird match on the card, um, which ended up being great, but uh, was still just like, isn't this over? Um, I don't care. They could, go, they could do this forever. He did a great job. He did a great job selling the match. I thought. Now we catch up with Marvez, who has found Kenny, Dawn, and Nakazawa reading to children at a local day t- daycare. Uh, Kenny, or perhaps a kindergarten. Um, Kenny is sure. <laughs> Kenny is reading the kids uh, an excerpt from the Bucks book. Uh, and the kids ask ask if the two men on the front cover are in love. <laughs> Let's just- <laughs> the best <laughs> fucking thing. <laughs> I don't understand. Did they? Uh, the, I guess the, the publisher probably picks the cover, right? But like, you still sign off on it. Did they pick the cover being like, oh, that's great. People will be able to rip on it all the time. Maybe, but I don't know. Like, yes, the publisher does. gets like the list of right. pictures. You as the author, you still sign off like, okay, yeah, I like that. It has. It has to have. I. The only thing I can because they made the jokes immediately themselves too that it looked like a gay romance novel, right? And so, <laughs> the, it has to have been. Has to be that they saw it and they were like, "Oh man, this is great because we can put out the book and people can just rip on the cover forever." I, I. I guess that's really the only thing I can think of because otherwise they're just like, "You guys do know what this looks like, right?" <laughs> 
<laughs> Even Kenny says here, the kid asks, uh, are, they, are they in love? And Kenny says, geez, it certainly does look that way, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, Kenny reads a short excerpt from the book that paints him in the most flattering light possible uh, and then explains to the kids what it means when he says that business went way up when he wrestled Jericho and it's funny he says does anyone know uh, what that means and one of the kids like raises his hand because uh, he knows exactly what it means and Kenny just like ignores <laughs> like and I felt so bad for the kid I'm like oh he knew what it meant. He's called on him, you know. Um, uh, but throughout that, there's a couple of things like that. Like the kids wearing masks uh, and being in school just like is a kind of a dark undertone on the reality of this whole situation. Um, is what it is. Uh, Don pulls Kenny out as the kids uh, sort of start chanting Kenny's name. Kenny immediately asks this new character, Margaret. Uh, how do we do? Margaret seems uh, really pleased with Kenny's sort of philanthropic publicity that he's getting here, right? Um, she seems to be some sort of publicist character that he now has. Um, and uh, uh, we then get Don Callis uh, saying that's the four, that's the age uh, four to nine year old demographic that we've been looking for, which I love. <laughs> uh, a kid sure. then asks a kid then asks Kenny if he can come and play. They offer Nakazawa instead. The kids start chanting, we hate Nakazawa. And Nakazawa is immediately very hurt by this. Uh, and then one of the kids walks up and kicks him in the shin. And the rest of the kids just gang up on Nakazawa like a pack of wild dogs. This reminded me of a Children? Like Adam, Adam Sandler bit. Uh, Billy um, Madison? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't there a, someone gets kicked in the shin in that A lot of people get movie. kicked in the shin in that movie. <laughs> I mean, this is just typical children to me, but yeah. 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 It seems like a, like a, a bit of a Billy Madison type thing. Um, although, uh, you know, you, kids are just like that too. Kids are savages, uh, man. <laughs> uh, Kenny and Don retreat, uh, and leave Nakazawa to the wolves here, which, uh, is terrible. Poor Nakazawa. That's just we think cruel, man. We got Santana and Ortiz versus the Young Bucks, which was the prestige match of the night. Until the very ending, I was like, why the fuck isn't this the main event? This is like a way better match than the match they have in the main event. Um, they had they had an opportunity to really do something truly great. Yes. And I think they, they still have a plan, but they had an opportunity. So that's my biggest thing with this, is that I was fairly certain the Bucks were going to win throughout because of how booking typically works here but in conversation on discord someone brought up well if they win then santana and ortiz go on to face uh jericho and mjf uh at revolution and i was like oh my god it just kind of clicked that yeah that has to be what they're doing that that makes perfect sense why they did everything they've done with the inner circle. That would be an amazing payoff that now they have to fight each other, right? It would be awesome. And then uh, they didn't do it. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, wait, so what? The plan is really Jericho and MJF versus the fucking Young Bucks? And it's fine, but it's one of the big problems that I had with WWE and why I stopped watching WWE is they would tease something exciting and then do the not exciting thing. And I would constantly be like, why didn't you just do the exciting thing? Yeah. And then like the, the, 
current speculation right now is that the Revolution match will be a triple threat between those three teams, but that you had an opportunity to have to do something tr truly amazing. And this is twice in like two months that they've done this now. The first one was Hangman joining the inner circle. Like you are right there. Right. And you're, you, all you have to do is just, just, you know, just open the door. It's done. Everything you've been leading up to, and then you shit all over it. And now yeah. I will say, like, they, they are trying to redeem the inner circle thing because I think they got a lot of really bad feedback on that. And there's, like, well, it's long-term storytelling, blah, blah, blah. But, it's like, with this, like, you could... Matt and Nick are just as good without the belts as they are with the belts. It doesn't hurt them at all. And it, and beyond that, Santana and Ortiz had never had a title match against them, right? So it seemed like they were perfectly primed for it. I understand as a storyteller, it's really hard to know when the right time to pull the trigger is, right? But this is the second time in a couple of months, the Hangman one being the other one, where it's been like, no, that was the right time. And it was immediately obvious to everyone else except you for some reason. Um, yeah. And it's just, it is what it is. I mean. It's fine. It, the match is going to be fine. The direction is fine. I'm still sticking with it. But I am sitting here going, oh, man, Santana and Ortiz versus Jericho and MJF would have been a much better pay-per-view match than the match that they're going to give us instead, even if it's a triple threat. Yeah, because and especially after, uh, I think it was either Full Gear or Revolution last year, the shit whipping right. that Santana and Ortiz put on the Bucks, right? You man, come on! That you didn't, you could have let them let, put them over, and this would have been such a better moment. Yeah, and it would have been all if they'd won. It would have been a fucking huge night for me. Instead, the night for me, there are some things I'm really excited about. But as anyone listening to this can tell, my level of like jadedness with this company is about as high as it's ever been. Yeah. Because we're in, the, by switching the title here, this would have been another one of those moments where, okay, this is why you have to watch every Dynamite every week, right? Right. But it didn't happen, so yeah, uh, the match was unsurprisingly excellent. I thought uh, Matt and Nick's parents were at ringside for it, which was kind of cool. MJF fortieth year wedding anniversary. Congratulations to them. That's a long time to know somebody, let alone be married to them. So, And they haven't killed um, each other yet. <laughs> uh, MJF got the whole inner circle ejected because Rick Knox don't take no shit, you know. Uh, Matt dropping a flying elbow uh, to save Nick from a submission was kind of a cool moment. Uh, so was the Bucks doing a, a doomsday device. Um, they also... Uh, I love the moment where Santana ducked the BTE trigger and the, the Bucks ended up kneeing each other in the knees. That's ah, so painful. It's, yeah, that, um, that hurts so bad. <laughs> I hated the roll-up finish. I thought the roll-up finish was a joke uh, for uh, the caliber of these two talents, but it, it was what it was. The Young Bucks win. Uh, the Inner Circle attacks the Young Bucks after the bell, and we got this video of Kenny uh, and the club there. backstage. <laughs> watching the show um they choose uh, not to assist at don's request don is like no uh even though kenny for what it's worth in his michael bolton inspired outfit uh seemingly wants to help here um he they he doesn't end up helping because don don Callis is like no no no, no. 
Uh, Cutler then tries to make the save, but he sucks and is also outnumbered. Uh, so he gets murked by Hager immediately. Um, and then the good brothers finally come in to the rescue, but it, it's it's way after the fact. And, and Matt they and Nick are just as they hit the the entrance tunnel, just taking their sweet ass time to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt and Nick have been held for far too long in submissions and just beat the, they they got their shit kicked out of them. Um, Jericho uh, then uh, got into a little spat with Papa Buck at ringside. Uh, to how that's going to be involved in anything, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, next, we got uh, the, the thick mama pregnant Brandy uh, comes out on the, sc- on the screen and says uh, that they're going to do a gender reveal. Um, I, she adds, When they started this, I was like, oh, okay, so that's next week. And then they were like, no, no right now, no. <laughs> we're doing it. We're doing it right fucking now. Um, uh, she adds that Cody doesn't even know uh, what uh, the uh, kid's gender is going to be. There's going to be a shoot reveal because apparently Cody can't keep a secret. So she didn't tell him. The little personal nuances are the best. Um, Pregnant woman they, don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they do a reveal as part of Cody's entrance. Um, and honestly, I missed it at first. Uh, pink fireworks go off as It's a Girl flashes across the Tron. Cody and Brandy celebrate. Uh, it doesn't play great, admittedly. Everyone was commenting that they don't care. This is the thing about gender reveals. Like, if you're having a baby, you care what the gender is. And your parents care what your gen- what the baby's gender is. Because they're grandparents and they get off on that shit. But, like, nobody else cares. Like, no one else fucking cares. Your friends will pretend to care. Your brother and your sister will pretend to care. But they don't. The only people who care are you and your parents. Uh, And so, thankfully, what they do do here... um, (laughs) Do do. (laughs) Do do, yes. Especially now... Gender reveals especially now because it's more like birth assigned sex of the child... Um, you know, and so, but, uh, they at least kept it brief. Uh, (laughs) I will say like, it really didn't take up any time on the show. Apparently Brandy said she had an issue with this plan anyway. Yeah. She talked about this on Renee's podcast last week or the week before about how she was She was not thrilled with this. This was her backup plan and she didn't want to do this. And she had changed her mind a few times, but it was just. This is what she, the cards were dealt. This is what she could do. So this is what they were going with. Mm. Okay. Um. Uh, Cody then went to commentary for this FTR match for whatever reason. Um. FTR versus Matt and Mike Seidel. Uh, Mike Seidel enters with a yoga mat strapped around his back. Uh, I guess in, in the event that they elect not to wrestle, I suppose. They did have Dory Funk Jr. and his wife in the crowd. They cut to his reactions periodically, uh, but they didn't warn them. So one of the times, at least, his wife was just, like, engrossed in her phone (laughs) as they were cutting to her. Um, uh, uh, Maybe, uh, you know, I know who Dory Funk Jr. is. I've seen a number of his matches. I'm sure there were some old nerds somewhere who were like, fuck yeah, Dory Dory Jr., but and um, I was like, who cares? Right. Um, no, no, my dad called me today, as as he does every Thursday, and he was like, who's that old fucker? And I was like, really? Yeah, he didn't know who he was. But I thought it was hilarious too. 
Wow. Wow. Uh, Congratulations to Dax, though, on not popping a boner in the ring, uh, which I was completely expecting. You don't know that. He could have had it taped down. Yeah. Got it all. Got his chastity belt on on, in the ring. Um, Anyway, uh, for a dark match uh, that was only given to FTR for an excuse for them to be in the ring and fill time, I thought the match was all right. Um, I thought uh uh mike and matt were great as a tag team for what it's worth um jr passive aggressively shitting all over them on commentary even though they were the obvious baby faces in the match was super weird and uh but he like doesn't give a shit and says whatever he wants he and still gets does it. paid and praised all over the product so uh despite that he's like shit he calls kenny the wwe champion later in the night <laughs> like fucking moron and, the, and his like reasoning on twitter was the biggest fucking cop-out <laughs> bullshit my bad it, be, it happened it wouldn't yeah it wouldn't be the biggest cop-out bullshit if he wasn't constantly making mistakes if it was the first uh, time right cool but he wasn't <laughs> but that didn't bother me nearly as much as him being like uh, uh, Matt Seidel, 10 years ago, he was ahead of his time. And it's like, what the what fuck, kind of fuck, man? What kind of backhanded compliment is that shit? <laughs> what? what? Uh, so that that bothered me. There were a couple other little comments, too, that I was like, okay, you don't like Matt Seidel. Like, uh, all right. Cool. He's the baby face. Are you going to do the job or what? I don't know. <laughs> uh, just, Dax. Dax ends up pinning Mike Seidel off of a big rig. Uh, and then after the match, uh, Samson uh, comes in to check on Mike. FTR takes his medical bag. They're going to cut Mike's hair with the scissors and the medical bag. The lights go out. There's a cool Luchasaurus video where his his cut-up mask is in the foreground. And then you see his head turn and the shadow has the new horns on it, which is cool. Um, really, really cool the way that they shot that. The lights come up and Jurassic Express is in the ring. Uh, Luchasaurus has a new mask that is almost exactly like the old one. Maybe the horns are a little longer. They're a little. They're but, longer, but that's about it. Yeah. Um. Other than that, it's exactly the same. Kind of a missed opportunity. I wish they'd done something, uh, sort of a more drastic change with it. But it kind of felt like like hey we we have a plan to do a new luchasaurus mask and that was like the goal but then they were like uh fuck it didn't get here in time maybe i don't know it felt i i agree it felt like a kind of a, a missed opportunity for this because with his gimmick you can do so much cool shit with a mask yeah yeah next week hangman versus uh isaiah cassidy in a match Semi-final match uh, in the women's tournament to be determined. Uh, Ricky Starks and Brian Cage versus the Varsity Blondes. And Jake Hager versus Brandon Cutler. Uh, Woof. What the fuck happened to Dynamite? I feel like this show used to have matches people wanted to see on it. Yeah. What is this card? What is this? I don't don't know. I I have no answers anymore. My... Previous one of like they're they're building up to a special card and they just gotta work with what's available, but like I mean it, Hager versus Cutler like it has some meaning there because you know 
he stood up to Hager, but also, like, no. Yeah, but also, like, no. Also, like, no, not at all. I just, I... It's the just, fir- it's the just... first time, and I, I was a staunch supporter of the Nightmare Factory shows and doing, you know, cool, they're not great, but we're we're doing what we got to do. We're doing what we can. This is the first time of looking at a potential Dynamite card when, number one, you don't have to tell me everything that's happening next week. Right. But that's beside the point. Where especially, especially if it's like, why are you advertising Jake Hager versus Brandon Cutler? Who's going to be like, oh shit, I got to catch that. Yeah, you're you're advertising things, and as someone who's a diehard supporter, I'm sitting here like, yeah, I could probably just skip next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, we're gonna talk more about it because we're gonna get there. But, uh, but man, I'm I'm sitting here like, how is. How is this dynamite now? This is a this is terrible. Yeah, because these are just these are not only are these just random matches for no basically no fucking reason other than like they're vaguely applied to a couple of feuds that are going on. Nothing feels like it has continuation or momentum at all. Things are just happening. It's it's like the it's like you know they haven't had a writing team the whole time, but it's like they had a writing team for the first year and then they all left. Like it feels like a writer's strike show. Maybe I like I said, man. I I, I was there just de- like the biggest defender of the Nightmare Factory shows and saying like, yeah, we're doing what we got to do for this is what we got, right? And this is just shit. And this like you're I'm looking at this and I'm just like, okay, well I can see why the people the ratings are dipping now because no one's gonna fucking tune into this bullshit. As as the the diehard fan, I don't care. Yeah, uh, we're gonna talk about the ratings, and I should care them. Your diehards should care the most, but we're gonna talk about the ratings real soon. Um, they talked on commentary uh, earlier, but they announced it for real here. Um, there's a six man ladder match at Revolution for a TNT title shot. Penta, Cody, and Sky have already been. Uh, uh, Announced. listed yeah. as competitors the other half is either to be announced or to be determined at this point uh probably to be determined with how things are going lately um super yeah, down for that, that. that's gonna be exciting on revolution revolution's really shaping up they announced that ftr and tully are having a match against jurassic express on march 3rd i think that's a bad idea i don't think anyone cares and then i think it's a risk uh, not that anyone cares about the feud, but I don't think anyone it'll matter much more to people that Tully is wrestling that it's worth putting him in that kind of danger at his age. Um, beyond that, uh, Kingston. Uh, you do not need a 67 uh, year old man in the ring wrestling. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think it's a good idea. Es- but especially since his last match was in two thousand and seven. Yeah. Just before the main event, we get a short promo from Mox, uh, a retort to Eddie Kingston. Uh, He says, the time is just about here to pull the trigger at the end. Uh, Possible Mox joins Bullet Club Japan foreshadowing here. Second time he's referenced uh, triggers um, Uh, in a promo recently. And uh, he's also has this ominous reference to a time drawing near to pull a trigger. So... Uh, keep that in the back of your mind as a possibility. Well, I mean, 
Jay White said he quit quit Bullet Club after Wrestle Kingdom, so maybe I don't know. But also, we could see it. Uh, Mox leading a Japanese Bullet Club versus Kenny's American Bullet Club, that, and that sort of that'd thing. be amazing. But also, you know, Kenta is in the Bullet Club, and Kenta hates Kenny or Moxley, so that's confusing. Hates hates Mox until they have a reason to not hate each other, sure. right? You know, like. <laughs> so we'll, we'll have to see um but uh it is kind of interesting that he uh, uh typically when mox uses a metaphor twice there's a reason for it his stuff is usually pretty considered so unless he's telling you hey i'm having a kid <laughs> they, they, right they then bring it they bring it up at the end too though um, the gun thing. So all that gun talk is floating around here. Mox, Archer, and Phoenix versus Kingston, Butcher, and Blade. Um, return of the Shogun mask for Phoenix, which was awesome. Um, the match was great, uh, despite feeling like a repeat of a dead angle with like no ramifications that was just put here to fill the main event slot. Um, but it was the awesome. Match, it was awesome. It was. It, I, I like I don't think it was what last week was, but it was awesome. Um, uh, the match comes to an end when Mox hits Kingston with a nasty paradigm shift after he basically just takes the back fist and stays standing. It's kind of wild. Um, after the bell, uh, the good brothers jump Mox. Uh, Kenny comes out with a mic. Kenny says that he received a late Valentine's Day gift from TK. It's the contract for the last match that they had in which Mox slipped in a rematch clause. Um, Kenny, in his self-proclaimed generosity, agrees to it, but he wants to pick the stipulation. And he doesn't want to come back again in three months' time and do this again. So he chooses the stip, and his stip is... An exploding barbed wire death match. Uh, the the most legendary brutal match type from Japan. Um, made perhaps most famous for people in America by the match with Cactus Jack. And uh, I think uh, uh, one of the funks. Probably Terry, Terry Funk. Yeah. Probably Terry. Yeah. Him and Terry. So this is the one where... The ropes are barbed wire. Yes, and, then they, and when the you when you turn hit the ropes, are little explosive charges. Right, when you hit the ropes, the it triggers explosive charges that go off on the turnbuckles. I'm here for it. Let's. This is gonna be fucking wild. Uh, are you gonna get Chief Intern to watch the exploding barbed wire death? Match? I sent her the uh, the message last night because she was um doing some other stuff with her with her little yeah. brother. And she's like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, but I'm here for it. It's going to be great. It's, it's, it's a, I'm so, I'm so stoked. This is wild. This is uh, the benefit of having TK, who's a super wrestling fan, is like, let's do the exploding, let's do the, let's do the shit nobody else does in this country. Yeah, because Moxley is just like, you know, hey, you remember the exploding barbed wire death match? He's like, and he's like, what do you think about that, TK? And it, it, Tony Khan's like, Let's fucking do it. Um, <laughs> I I love it. I'm super excited. I'm, I'm super down. I got to be real careful with matches like this with Chief Intern because I did kind of scar her for life um, with the <laughs> Hell of War match because, um, you know, we didn't really expect it to go that, that way. Right. I mean, it is AEW, and I know their death matches are really tame, but right. exploding barbed wire death match, there's no 
good way that there is not blood in this. Yeah, Renee's <laughs> response to it was amazing. Oh my too. god, that was cold. <laughs> uh she uh, uh, Kenny finishes this by saying, I'm the one holding the gun, John. Your time on Earth is limited. Mox then headbutts Kenny hard enough that it draws blood uh, on his forehead. And then Kenny V-triggers Mox twice. Uh, man, what a fucking main event for Revolution this is going to be. This is insane. It, it, it's one of those things where, where you're just like, the, the, the Renee thing is like, I don't know if Moxley actually tells her about these matches and she she <laughs> finds them out as she's watching and it's like Ugh, I feel bad for you, bro. <laughs> I think maybe she'd rather not know. Maybe, maybe. I remember her reactions from the last pay-per-view were gold. <laughs> <laughs> The ratings this week, which is a discussion, have AEW 747,000, NXT 713,000. Still a victory for AEW. Still a fucking narrow victory for AEW. I Calling the ratings down, they're not. These are average ratings for AEW. But they don't fucking deserve to be. And quite frankly, looking at the card next week, I hope they get beat. I hope they get fucking embarrassed next week in the ratings because clearly... As much, you know, still, Stotts Reporter AEW, wear the flag, here two hours every week talking about the show. I'm not one of these people who's going to come out and be like, fuck AEW, move away or whatever. No, I want them to be better, but clearly the fear of God is not in them anymore. Because if it were, they'd be booking matches people want to see, but they're not doing that, and I don't know why. It's a, This is very complacent. Yeah. They've been. I don't know if it's because they've been winning in the ratings for so long, uh, and they're doing relatively good for what TNT expects or whatever. But like at the point where they're like, yeah, uh, uh, put Brandon Cutler versus fucking Jake Hager on the show and advertise it as though anyone gives a shit. It's like okay, so you just don't care about making a better and better show. It, it's uh, literally. I sat here and said that TK said every show needs to be better than the last one. And they're putting Jake Hager versus Brandon Cutler on the show with two other fucking dark matches. I mean, that was two years ago at this point. I, I, I don't know, man. Still. I, all I can speculate is that TK is so busy with his other obligations that yeah yeah maybe it's hard for him but i i can't imagine having anyone sitting backstage being like yes like everything is popping off right now it's not and it should be every episode yeah because especially this time last year man they were on such a hot streak of shows but from between yeah, the what uh bash at the beach until revolution was a mega hot streak it felt vital. It felt important to be there. Revolution was the best pay-per-view from last year. It's the best pay-per-view they've done. But, yeah, I mean, leading up to that, we had the, the shows on the Jericho cruise. We had the Atlanta pay-per-view, you know, the home big homecoming show with the, right. the first ever cage match leading to Revolution. We had all of these big moments and reveals, and everything was huge. And now... You know, a year later, we're just sitting here and like, yeah, we could probably skip next week. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna be here, but I, I, I am, I'm like, I've never been more frustrated with the creative direction of this company than I am right now. Yeah, where I'm just, I'm literally just like, what the fuck are you guys doing? 
Just do like. I mean, come on. You were very frustrated with the Nightmare Factory shows, but yeah, and but that had an excuse. This has no. This excuse. has no excuse. That that's the big difference. Like, I and that's why I was such a defender of the Nightmare Factory shows, and I I did agree with your criticisms. Like this, if this is the last thing we're going to see of AEW, this really sucks. Yeah, but they were doing what they had to do, and that that was the what they had. This right. this has no excuse other than fucking Nick is stressed back there putting throwing matches together. It it yeah it feels like things are thrown together without much forethought and I I wouldn't say I'm particularly interested in any of the stories heading into Revolution the matches sure the ladder match excited about that uh the uh. The match with uh, Kenny and Mox, that's going to be sick. Um, the, even the match with Hangman, sure, whatever. Uh, but am I sitting here going like, oh, man, oh, uh, you got to know what's happening right now with this story. No, I don't think they're doing anything that I'm like, hell yeah, about. But okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, podcast services everywhere. Subscribe, review, give us five stars. Just like Meltzer, it makes us feel so sweet. Jonathan, how sweet? Too sweet, buddy. Facebook.com slash Seeing the Elite. Twitter at Seeing the Elite. If you really want to be in with the crew, the most incredible community in all of pro wrestling, please head to tinyurl.com slash Seeing the Elite. Get your invite to our Discord server. Uh, once again, if you want to become one of our best friends, one of our inner circle, please head to patreon.com slash seeing the elite and subscribe. Uh, thanks to everyone who watched the show live. Thanks to our patrons, Alan Wiggs, Alejandro Diaz, Alyssa, Andre Gunther, Andrew Garrett, Ari and Shifra, a.k.a. The Boozerweights, Bill Laviolette, Billy Richardson, Chai Latte, Chris Genro, Cody Fague, Daniel Lopez, Ale Avoth, James Kenimer, Jeremy Blackman, Joseph Pesikow, Keith Kazulno, Kevin Bartlett, Kristen, Michael Vatza, Merman, Omega Lulz, Pink Allen, Peter Risby, Rob Douglas, Shane Williams, and Travis Ulrich. You guys are so great. Thank you for supporting the show. Uh, we don't really have anything else to offer before we get out of here. Um, and I, I, you know, I hate to go out on such a low note on the show or, or sound overly jaded. I'm really worried, uh, not about the health of the company. We're going to be here for a long time, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to things getting back to a place where I'm like, yes, yes, this is why we're here, you know? And this, uh, this is why we tell people to watch the show. Right, right. Um, and I, and I, I, I want that more than anything in the world right now, uh, besides maybe, you know, going outside, uh, uh, without uh, fear of dying and sh shit, you know, um, live music. Other than that, you know, uh, AW getting uh, good again. That'd be cool. Uh, but I'm looking forward to revolution and I thank you all for joining us. We'll be back next week with another episode of seeing the elite and AEW podcast until then go out and change the world. I don't want